Bruce Garden Paul Show, episode 50. What? Yes, it is actually episode 50. If you've been watching us since the beginning, well, yes, actually watching because it started off as a video podcast. Um, we recorded like 11 episodes, did two bank shows, which technically are not canon. And then we took a slight detour with, well, one of us took a big detour to a mountain. And then the other one just uh, decided that his, uh, well, he decided to pull a Luger and his back went out. Uh, we uh, we did a reboot and renumbering because we think we're DC Comics. Came back, did 38 issues. And so now we are on episode 50, technically. So, yeah, fuck you. We're on episode 50. So... This is going to be a little bit different. And since we are on episode 50, that means this will be the last episode we are ever going to do ever until we do another episode. Because, you know, Scott, when we say this is it, that's it. Because Superman's dead. He's never coming back. Right, Scott? That's a fact. It's over. So we probably will take a vacation. That way we can not have to worry about covering all those fucking SummerSlam matches and, and all that other bullshit going on. So, speaking of shit, mm, No Man's Sky. They weren't going to deal with that bullshit. People who got early launch titles and well, early versions of the game. So they did a update and patched the game and all that work you did fuck you they wiped the servers clean well Is this that's good <laughs> one guy spent like 30 hours or, or less and was able to complete the game <laughs> yeah this game is supposed to take years to, to reach the center of the universe again though he found he found I don't. This is the guy who paid thirteen hundred dollars for the game. Yeah, the, he found an exploit. Maybe it wasn't an exploit. He found some way to be able to farm something in a in a very quick amount of time. Um, that was that was able to let him do that. So there's some type I, of warp bullshit. Yeah, I saw another. I can't remember what site it was, but they justified doing their early review with the day one patch coming out. No, this is the. We're justifying this as the version of the patch or the version of the game that you're going to play when you first pop it in your system, which is not technically true considering it's going to update as soon as you turn it on. Yeah. So, I mean, it the update is the version that 99.9% .9 of the people are going to play the first time they play it. Yeah. Um, I, oh, a week two patch, yeah, but... Just because a game releases in a certain state doesn't mean that it's perpetually in that state either. And this isn't even like a bug thing. You know, I don't know what the patch is going to have in it. But, you know, a lot of games have a day one patch to fix bugs or they didn't test everything right. Or maybe you get something where they rebalance things a few weeks in or a few months in. Those games, you can change your perception of those games based on the patch. So, eh. Yeah, I they, see their point to to a degree, but not as it's not as concrete of a 
Yeah. Is what their house is built on the sand. Yeah, they released their patch notes and in the patch notes they did mention a lot of play testing that they had to go back and fix things. So uh, I'm still be, waiting on this game. I'm waiting on this game and we'll give it a few weeks, a few months. Um see how it plays out. Black Friday I might take a look at this game. Um I'll watch some videos, see what's going on. But uh I mean the idea that you may never run into another human player is it's interesting, but at the same time, it's kind of a turnoff too. So, well, the, you can. This game is played online, but Sony has decided that you don't have to have PlayStation Plus to play this game online because the odds of you running into another player online is greater than you winning the lottery. Yeah, and if you do see another person, you it's kind of like a Demon Souls or Dark Souls kind of thing where you just kind of see where they've been. Or it's like a ghost. Yeah, it's like well, they've Would made be a better description. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't. know. I mean, I'm excited. The game is finally about to launch. It's already uh, launched. It's out now. Oh, I was today. Yesterday was the ninth, wasn't it? Yep. So it came out yesterday. So, anyways, I'm excited. Reviews this came out on the eighth. Yeah, this has been the game I've been the most excited for, but I'm not going to jump into it right yet. No. I let everybody else beta test this game. Yeah, I want to see what kind of patches they're going to do. One thing to remember is, um, I I can't remember what the name of the studio is, Um, Hello Games. Hello Games, yes. Okay. They had that flood and lost everything. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm surprised we're even here. This is a day I never thought would happen. It was like, this game is going to get canceled. I can just feel it happening. I mean, you've joked about it a few times. Mm-hmm. It was never going to see the light of day, and here it is. So, I've heard good comments about it, and I've heard some, nothing terrible. But I hear a lot of trepidation. That's I hear more about that know. than anything Yeah, else. people not people just want to stick their toes in the water, and that's about it. So. Dave really should have put out a demo for this game. Yeah. And as big as I am about single-player games, the randomly generated, procedurally generated uh, world and all that. It will take a, it's gonna take what, a while. A billion years to actually play this game? To, to visit every planet would take like 18 quadrillion years or something insane. Something insane. I, yeah, that number is probably not right, but I know it's but, a, it's an insane number. But there's nothing on a lot of these planets. And there's really not much to do. Yeah. I don't know. You think it would have been have... a lot more fun if you could actually go out there with somebody and discover the world. But I guess that's where the whole gimmick of no man comes from it's just you by yourself well i mean you think of like social gaming people sitting down getting on their computers and their webcams and everything and just or on and their ps4s and just cruising the universe together fighting space pirates or whatever the hell you're going to do um yeah it that, that would have been fun a mass effect type game would have been so much more fun yeah but they may patch just later but it's something different so at least they're going in a different direction. So we're going to see. I mean, we already have what Elite Dangerous 
and Star Citizen and is Elite Dangerous, isn't that free? On yeah. PlayStation Plus this yeah, so yeah. Well similar we'll but vastly different. <laughs> yeah. So Okay. I'm excited, so. but man, I wish there was a demo. Yeah. Nintendo has decided that if you just can't wait till next year for them to kill their Wii U and their Nintendo DS, possibly, you can go ahead and pay, what, $150 for the new Nintendo 3DS. And they have dropped the price on seven or eight titles for their select lineups. The 3DS, Animal Crossing New Leaf, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, Tomagotchi Life, Nintendo, Plus Cats, Golden Retriever, and New Friends, and Lego City Undercover, The Chase Begins. For the Wii U, The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker HD, Nintendo Land, and Lego City Undercover. Uh, the price of the Amido, Amigo, Amiibo bundles, bringing them down to 40 bucks. These include Yoshi's Woolly World, with either light or blue, well, shit. Light blue or pink wool Yoshi. Mario Party 10 with a peach or Bowser amiibo. And Captain Toad Treasure Hunter. Uh, so how uh, are these games? More box copies to buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, they dropped the price of the majority of those down to $20. I don't know about the Woolly World. Is that $20 for the pack-in amiibo? The bundle comes at $150. 40. So for, the the Woolly World are 40. A Wii U is still 299, I think. That's fucking retarded. Yeah, they've never even the idea that it's where are we at? 4 years and there hasn't been a single price drop on the system. So, where did it start uh, at 350? I don't remember, but I'm thinking it was 349. The other day, he said yeah, he was considering picking up a Wii U because there were some games he wanted. I said, don't do not do it. Next year, the new system comes out. He's like, what? Said, yeah. Yep. Yeah, buy, buy a Wii U next year if you really want to play those games and they're not backward compatible when you can get a Wii U for like 100 bucks or less. No, they're, I'm sure they'll have a virtual console, but... Nintendo. Nah, they're not, Nintendo they're not going to emulate. Nah, I'm, I'm betting. I'd bet some real cash that they don't backwards compatible the Wii U games. They might make a few remasters, but um, yeah, I mean, Wii U, I mean, there are quality games on the system. There's quite a few, actually. Uh, but at 300 bucks in 2016 when it came out in 2012, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. But I would say, at the very least, this holiday you'll probably maybe you'll see a price cut finally. Maybe it's not like they're clearing shelf space. <laughs> yeah, they're down to nothing. Um, surprisingly, the Walmart Mason has had the same cabinet dedicated since the thing came out, and it's got pretty much it's got quite a few games in it, probably thirty or forty different titles. Luigi's Mansion is actually a pretty good game. It has some issues, but. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's in desperate need of a second control stick. Um, 
But I mean, that th- new 3DS for 150 bucks. Uh, Nintendo Land. Did that not already come with the fucking Wii U? Mine did. Not every edition of the Wii U came with it. And the only bundle being carried in stores now is the Mario Maker bundle uh-huh. and maybe the Mario Kart 8 bundle. Everything else you got to shop for online and everybody's got the prices jacked up on the out-of-print bundles. Like you have a new Super Mario Brothers and new Luigi Brothers bundle, and then there's the Wind Waker bundle. A Zombie U bundle is like the most rare one. Uh, four, five, six hundred bucks or something. So yeah, there's there's actually quite a few different bundles for the system, but good luck getting them. Skylanders bundles. Uh, so. Yeah, the, the only one being carried by the retail is, I'm pretty sure, Mario Maker, but maybe they still have stock of Mario Kart 8. If they're ordering any more bundles, it's going to be the Mario Maker one. Which comes with, obviously, Mario Maker and the 30th anniversary Mario Amiibo. Well, Bethesda's talking about the Wii U, not the Wii U, goddammit, the NX. Um, Pete Hines, the vice president of PR and marketing, had this to say. Who's he talking to? Your text bot? Uh, we talk to Nintendo all the time. We're pretty well briefed in what they are doing. It's definitely something we will look at. And our philosophy is that we will put our games out on any platform that supports the games as we envision and make them. If the NX fits that from a technical standpoint and fits the games that a developer in our stable is making, I don't see why we would not put it out on NX. But it's too early to say we'll definitely be putting our games out or not. Like with mobile, we want to have the right to fit for we want to have the right fit for the right formats. So apparently they don't even know what the fuck Nintendo's doing. I think they do um, to a point. But I think the big takeaway from that is if it fits from a technical standpoint, and this is pure speculation, but I would say the controller gimmick that they're going to use is probably befuddling them a little bit. And they're probably looking at Wii U sales numbers thinking, well, you know, what's going to be drastically different with the NX that's going to improve that? Um to me, it sounds like a non-committal. Uh, it definitely is a non-committal. I mean, there's really no other way to take it. Um, I think he knows a little more than he's letting on, but at the same time, he may not be the only decision maker on that. He's definitely given the diplomatic answer. So I'm thinking we're talking borderline specs. <laughs> That's that's what I take from it. It's well, borderline it's specs. Nintendo, they're definitely not going with the Tegra two. They're going with the cheap ass Tegra one. That's I I would almost I would, that's another thing I would bet hard money on. They're going to go with the Tegra one. I will say this: yesterday I had to go and had the car worked on for about two or three hours, and like you know, it certainly would be nice if I had <laughs> in hex I could just take the fucking game with me. Yeah. That's, that's the one time I actually gave a credit. It's like, that, w- that would be nice. Well, yeah, it's got its, it's got a snitch. I mean, you know, people travel a lot. I travel a lot. 
Um, I've been lucky the last three months. I haven't had to travel too much, but, uh, yeah, that's why my 3DS and my Vita get a workout. Um, I'm away from home, sitting in a hotel room, picking my ass. So I've taken the Wii U a few times. So, and the, some of the cheap hotels I'm in, they don't even have flat screens with HDMI. So thankfully I've got games that I can play right off the gamepad. So. Oh, on to TV and movie news. Uh, let's just let's go ahead and update from last week. Jeff Loeb was talking about Agent Carter, and he kind of gave a clarification on whose decision it was to cancel Agent Carter. And he said, there was no conversations. We got a call from the network, and the network said they were canceling the show. When asked what he understood of ABC's decision, he responded, I don't. Uh, He said, Agent Carter was certainly praised by the critics, but it was never a barn burner in ratings. According to Nelson, the show's second season earned a low 0.79 average rating among viewers, most desired by advertisers, adults under the age of 50, and average just 2.7 million total live viewers. Um, he said that we make the best shows that we can as they were requested by various networks. So whether it's ABC or Netflix or FX or Fox or Freedom, any of the networks that we're on, they ask us to tell the best stories that we can, and we do that. We hope that in turn we're then going to get the best audience that we can. And when they decide that's not something that they want to do anymore, there's not a lot you can. That's the nature of television business. Um, then basically he went on to say there's pretty much anything possible when it comes to whether or not it's done. I've never watched it, so yeah. I don't have cable. Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I watched both seasons. Did you like it? Season one was a lot better than season two. Season two kind of shit the bed. Hmm. Yeah, that's not very many viewers. It says, um... But, I mean, you got a character that's... He said, Let me put it this way. I watched The Avengers. Phil Coulson died. His story was done. We're about to go into the fourth season, and he's standing right over there. So I like to think that anything is possible. As far as the general public goes, she was in one movie and had a couple cameos and as in, you know, and a few others in flashbacks or in old age. I mean, she's not carrying much of a following. So, yeah, unless you watch the TV version of the Marvel Universe. Which what I'm is, saying when they launch their series, that's yeah, which is you know, separate from the Marvel Universe as a whole because she doesn't have a huge cornerstone of fan following. <laughs> yeah, like two million. Yeah, that's compared so, to a billion dollar franchise. Right. So, I mean, I think it's awesome they took a risk with it. You know, I mean, shit, they make new TV shows all the time that are brand new shows. Nobody knows anything about anything about it. So, you know. Compared to Shield, I think Shield made like three million viewers or something like that. 
and then you had Jessica Jones. They don't give away numbers on Netflix either. No. So another show that was canceled was Powers on PlayStation. It's it'll be very easy for Scott now to catch up because he doesn't have to worry about catching up on season three. It's true. I you know I just this show doesn't appeal to me for some reason. I don't know why. It's like Brian Michael Bendis. I mean that's. Eh. Yeah. I might give it a chance one of these days. Yeah, Bendis tweeted on as Jericho was saying the Twitter. This is hard to tweet, but word is that Powers, the series, is sadly no more. Season 2 is the last, at least for now. I'll type more about later, but thank you all for your support. Such a fantastic personal experience that you gifted us all. Uh, Bendis replied, a Powers episode generated over 4.5 million hits on YouTube alone. Uh, let's see. The first episode of Powers is sitting at 570 million views on YouTube, while the f- season two is sitting at 4.68 million views. As for the comic, Ben has confirmed that it will continue at Marvel. The next storyline is called Diamond Days, and they've already completed two issues. I don't care much for the comic itself. Bendis in his writing is, he's hit and miss. Yeah, I, I had that, uh, well, it's like one of the, I just, this brought the memory up, I was looking at the comments, and uh, how they had 2014 E3, how Powers kind of was, people kind of like shaking their head. Because it looked like Sony was about to pull a Microsoft at the 13 hmm. E3. But thankfully, that was all they really yeah. went with. I mean, I, you know, producing original TV shows is, you know, if you got a game system, you have first party studios making games and third party studios tripping over themselves to make games. I don't give a shit if Sony makes a TV show for PlayStation Network. Yeah, yeah, well. There's nothing wrong with that. Especially considering Sony is a TV film studio. Yeah, I mean, they're... Microsoft is not. That's the difference. Yeah. But Microsoft can afford it. Um, I mean, they have their own first-party studios, and again, they have third parties lining up. You know, if, yeah. I just keep... I love how that every time, every year, we hear this big Spielberg, Halo, Blomkamp, Halo, something, and hey, jack shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> You know, get on with it. Give me a two-hour feature-length Spielbergian Halo. Let's try it. Produced. Brick Eisner. And talk to direct another Friday the 13th remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, at Paramount Pictures. Uh, See who this dude is. Uh, Eisner's other credits include The Crazy, Sahara, and Last Witch Hunter. The new Friday the 13th project is being produced by Platinum Dunes Bay, Brad Fuller, and Andrew Form. Platinum (laughs) Platinum Dunes is the same fuckers as the Michael Bay fucker who did the uh, Ninja Turtles. 
So, so they hired the guy that wrote the crazy Sahara and Last Witch Hunter to do the Friday the Thirteenth. The last writer who, uh-huh. uh, well, he's the writer is Nick Antosca, who wrote, well, he worked on Hannibal and Channel Zero. Okay, I misread. The director is Brick Eisner, who Crazy Sahara and the Last. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Sahara and Last Witch Hunter and. Sahara is based off of a Clive Cussler novel. Um, that's a curse. If you make a Clive Cussler movie, you're you're bound to fail, no matter how good the book is. Eisner's uh, father, Michael, ran Paramount during the days when Friday the Thirteenth rights were acquired. So his he's a Hollywood baby. Yeah, that doesn't make me excited in the least. The only thing that makes me excited is I'm sure we will he at least earn his spot. Yeah, I. I, I yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to like hate on somebody because they were born into it, but oh, I will. He did earn his <laughs> spot. He was born into the movie in Hollywood, and he gets to do freaking Friday the Thirteenth. There's a certain bit of nerd envy that's hard to push however, down. However, I will say this: if you look at the movies he's made, The Crazy Sahara and Last Witch Hunter, it's not like he was given, uh, I don't know, any Oscar-winning films. No, obviously no. he didn't get anything good from his dad. No, his dad didn't give him fucking Avatar or anything like that. Yeah, but regardless, um, he either has he either has talent or he doesn't. So far, obviously he doesn't. Look at what the fuck he was given. That's what I'm saying. So far, it doesn't look like he he does. Obviously, his dad didn't have a lot of pull in the fucking comp in the. And now he gets Friday the Thirteenth. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be shit. It'll be more like two thousand nine Friday. It was like a young boy, son. You gotta go out there and wash backs and and clean the stalls and make some shit films before you get something good. What am I gonna get after that? You gotta do another fucking reboot. This is a guy that's probably in Hollywood just to be in Hollywood. He doesn't know anything else. Yeah, that's that's his world he grew up in. Well, I would fucking do it if I wasn't in fucking West Virginia. No doubt. Um, so, the, maybe the fact that if it's my, just Michael Bay's people have are backing it, maybe there's hope because they're just a the money man. That's as long point. as I get to see teenagers Good. getting hacked down <laughs> and uh, gratuitous nudity, violence, and drug use, I'll be all right. <laughs> as long as Jason doesn't run. And he doesn't run. Yeah. According to the rap, Warner Brothers puts Man of Steel sequel into active development. It was an exclusive on their site. Um. I'm actually, I don't want to use the word surprised, but I was kind of starting to wonder with the box office, how lukewarm it's all been. You know, are they, are they really counting on Justice League to set it on fire? Despite Superman's battle with DC, 
Let's see, wait. Despite Superman's battle with Batman, DC has been silent on a sequel to Man of Steel featuring Superman solo, leading many frustrated fanboys to believe that another film was going to happen. But this is the key point here. But a person close to the project told the rap that Superman is a top priority for a studio and getting the character right for audiences is of tantamount importance. Well, then you're fucked because you haven't got them right in the last two films. You know, it's it's quite disturbing that the Joker would bring sanity to to this with one simple little line. <laughs> Let's put a smile on that face. Because <laughs> Superman is about feeling good. It's about hope. It's about a guy doing the right thing, having fun doing it. Superman comics, for the vast majority, were about fun. And they... They have completely lost track of that with the last two movies. That they they don't have elements of fun in it. You know, Clark hopping into a tub and Batman versus Superman is not enough. <laughs> he need, you know he needs to save a freaking cat from a tree, or uh, he needs to be a little goofier. He needs to I don't know. He needs a smile. He needs a smile. Yeah, I mean he needs to be. Well, you when know, your parents are a complete assholes. Happy. No doubt. Gosh. I'll give them this. That's the kind of conflicted asshole you're going to raise if you're that kind of parent. <laughs> yeah. You have godlike I mean, power, son. I don't know if you should save human lives or not. I mean, it's like Rob Zombie wrote John John and Martha. It's, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, and their parents, I mean, in every medium that they've done, John and Martha Kent, they hit it out of the park. Every previous incarnation of them has been excellent and then you get this movie it's like they fucked up and bruce wayne had john and martha kent as parents (laughs) yeah did you read the wrong fucking issues when you were writing this shit yeah they they completely didn't i mean they got the salt of the earth part right but then everything else is just like no we're the evil cocksuckers that think people should just die (laughs) i mean Closest to getting John Kent right was when he was having that vision up on the fucking mountain. Yeah, him going to rescue the dog, you know. It's John Kent. He's a good guy. It's, I think it's someone who uh, doesn't have any sense of Midwest values, I guess, about how just mundane life can be, but you try to do good things. Try to help people be polite. I mean, um, that's 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 what John and Martha Kent are. They're Superman's the way he is, not because of his powers. It's because he was raised well. What? <laughs> what? That's it. It's yeah, nurture. What, yeah. What makes Superman Superman is the values that were instilled upon him, not his powers. Yeah. So. Um, we'll we'll I, fucking be on this all night. Okay. Get rid of a couple uh, books there, Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> Big Shocker, Aquaman's villain has been revealed, and it's going to be Black Mantha. No shit. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Did you say Black Mantha? Black Mantha. My voice was giving out. I was so choked up over the fact that it's going to be Black Mantha. Black, Black, Black Mantha. Mantha. <laughs> now, something that we don't want. Another fucking crow reboot. They're still working on this damn thing. And according Have to mercy, 
Mashable, Jason Momoa, also known as the Roman Reigns you can act, is going to be in talks. Sort of. <laughs> or he's actually in talks right now. Um, Doesn't I'm, hoping, I'm hoping Jason Momoa is in talks to try to talk some sense into the studio. Just Maybe. let it die already. Maybe. Uh, Maybe he's saying, look, I've, I've worked with Zack Snyder. You don't want this shit to happen. I know what can go bad. Please don't let this happen. Yeah, we chatted briefly about this before we started recording, and it was just like if there was one series I could choose that we were never allowed to do a reboot, remake, or sequel, it would be Crow. Well, it says here the reboot is intended to be closer to the original source material, material and James O'Barr himself worked on the script along with screenwriter Cliff Dorfman. I don't give a fuck. Don't do it. Yeah, the movie may have one element that's going to be good. It may be the writing. It may be the directing. It may be the acting. I will bet my ass it's not going to be all three. <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, it just this, I, I, I try not to be too cynical, but man, I'm really cynical about this one. Just leave it alone. Just let it go. Take it out back and put a bullet in it. <laughs> its leg is broke. It's lame. Oh my god. Send it to the glue factory. Speaking of lame, fucking suicide squad. Scott, can we do a spoiler free review of this or am I gonna to have to re edit this damn thing again? We're gonna to try to do a spoiler free review. Or do you just wanna do a spoiler free I mean a spoiler review and I'll put it at the end of the show. I can give you a a quick spoiler free review and then we can give a slightly less quick spoiler review. Okay, give me your burn. This could be like Twitter. <laughs> this could be like a Twitter review. It might be like 250 characters. Um, okay. Suicide Squad. If we don't want to stick around to the end of the show, give me a quick review. Okay, non-spoiler. Um, good character interaction. The cast has chemistry. Uh, the action sequences are actually visible, unlike Star Trek. Um for the most part, they're pretty good. They get a few characters wrong. Um, and the villains are really completely not interesting and actually take a, a big detour out of the film for a while, just like Star Trek. So uh, pretty satisfying climax, though. And That's all you can hope for. Not bad, not good. Just kind of in the middle. Better than Star Trek and better than Ghostbusters. So. So, Better than Batman versus Superman. Stay home. Yeah, rent it. It's a rental. That's a rental. So, all right. So, I mean, if you're if you're at the mall, let me rephrase that. If you're driving by a theater that's affordable <laughs> and it's a matinee, and you just like comic book movies, yeah, stop in and see it. But leave some of your fanboy uh, biases behind because they do get some of the characters wrong. So let's look at this like it's an Elseworld. You could, yeah, a little bit. Harley Quinn is pretty good. The Joker, if he wasn't the Joker, would be good. But he's the Joker. And he's completely freaking just uh, too suave. Way too suave. Way too playboy. It's a bad Way Joker. too playboy. Yeah. It's not a good... It's, it's, 
a, a good, interesting character as far as the film goes. Just not a really good Joker. Okay. I knew they would fuck it up. So it was like a thousand characters, but whatever. Um, did you get to watch Killing Joke yet? I saw you had it. Yeah, I watched Killing Joke. Um, okay. How'd you feel? Ooh, up I actually like Squad better. I like Suicide Squad better. Yeah, they fucked up. It was boring. It was very boring. Like I really struggled to pay attention. And that's one of my favorite comic books. I don't know what they did wrong, but they did it wrong. And the prologue was completely useless and stupid. Started off good, and then they just... I don't know what the fuck. I mean... completely got Barbara wrong. Their prologue villain... (laughs) The way he's acting after some of the things that's happened to him, it's like... You cannot be that stupid. It's just, uh, it didn't make sense. Weak. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you have to have your face restructured <laughs> in surgery and you're still going to crack sexist jokes. I mean, <laughs> it just, it was just stupid. I don't yeah. know. I didn't get it. I yeah. Get First 30 minutes, you can just skip. Yeah. Everybody was right. It's, it served no purpose. Oh, and the, the, the scene on the rooftop was just painful Fuck to watch. Dude. That was that that was atrocious. That was that was far more offensive yeah. than any decision made in Suicide Squad. It, it it was not offensive as I don't know what I was offended by. As well, I mean, it was, it's, as a Batman fan or, or as as I don't know what as the both fuck. characters as as both characters. I yeah, mean, like, as far as the Batman universe and, and as like. Yeah, the character wrong. <laughs> I mean, they got both characters wrong. They got the entire fucking universe wrong. They got she uh, wouldn't even be attracted to him, and he wouldn't allow it to happen because of their what well, they do. I mean, they did it. I mean, in Batman Beyond, they were they hooked up. What's Batman Beyond? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they're continuing the whole fucking universe. I guess. I mean, like Batman Beyond, like, yeah, okay. There, maybe I don't know. Not a big fan of it. Maybe in retirement. <laughs> just the way it went down was just the way it went down was stupid. It was kind of like the heat of the moment bullshit. But I have my views on it, but I'm not going to share them. <laughs> but it's still fucking stupid. But I can I can guess a lot of things about the writer by the way the first thirty minutes played out. I, it's very I'm clear. Doctor Bruce Tim let this shit go down. Well, he is. He's after after all the shit that he, after after all the good shit he gave us over the years. He's like, oh yeah, fuck. Did well, you just give up? Are you that beat down over the years? I mean, Babe Ruth struck out once in a while. <laughs> so. God damn, this is like your pinnacle here. What the fuck did you do wrong? That that's definitely. Up there. This is what we've been waiting for all these years, and yeah, fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, what the hell, dude? Killing it's jokes like, that burn. Oh my god! Don't it's waste like, your time. It's like going to WrestleMania, and then you fucking trip on your entrance. Once it gets past the prologue, it definitely goes into the core of it, and it's pretty faithful after that, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, there's some shots that are just directly from the comic, but that that first Absolutely, thirty minutes. Yeah. Holy fuck. I can just imagine Alan Moore watching this. The but shit it's, said. you know, it, maybe the 30 minutes, the first 30 minutes run the rest of it for me. I just, 
it really put a bad taste in my mouth. And but, well, that wasn't all that was in somebody's mouth. <laughs> the execution just wasn't good throughout. And, and, Batman, just, and I usually can give Batman a lot of leeway on how they draw the ears. Oh, the ears like, are horrible. He was like a devil. He looked like a devil. It it, it threw it back to like the original Batman, and they just looked like they were floppy. Yeah. What? They should have just gave it to fucking Alan Moore and said, can you please write the first 30 minutes because we fuck up. I'm, he doesn't want anything to do with Killing Joke anyways. He wants his <laughs> name taken off from it. Who I can see why. No, I mean even the comic, the original. He has he just he doesn't like it because he thinks it was a catalyst for the dark, brooding superhero stuff. Which shit, maybe we should drive over and punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Alan Moore, you're great writing. He's uh, responsible for fucking Zack Snyder. Yeah. But I mean he's got a point. But that's not his fault. That doesn't mean you can't have the occasional story like that. But, you know, they get just like when we was talking about Man of Steel, they get away from the fun part of it. And, yes, sometimes it's nice to go to that gritty, hard reality and just get your shit rocked. Because, I mean, it makes you think, you know. Um, but sometimes hell, you need even, it. Even the death of Superman still maintains some of that fun and hope, but it, it it gave you a heavy, a heavy story. You know, I mean, that's like a firefighter getting killed or, you know, yeah. something like that. I mean, this guy stuck a space in the meat grinder knowing he was going down. So, but, but back to Alan Moore, I mean, I, I can agree with him to a degree. Well, I mean, Conan wrote a very good story. Years before fucking Alan Moore wrote anything. Oh yeah. So I don't want to hear that bullshit. Yeah, I mean, you think of like um, the Robert E. Howard Conan stories. I mean, there's they're pretty dark. I mean, there's really fucking dark. Yeah, I mean, they're dark fantasy. They're awesome, by the way. You people should check them out. Um, They're a little rough at times, but yeah, I mean, he wasn't the he was a good writer. He wasn't fantastic, but. He hit it out of the park a few times too, yeah. so he got a lot of triples and doubles uh, while we're using baseball analogies. Yeah. So before he set the car and shot himself. So. so. I wonder. Speaking of of which, are they still doing King Conan? As far as I know, but I've not heard anything about. Ah, uh, there was something on the Arnold fans about it a month or two back. He better hurry the hell up. He's not getting any younger. He better not make any other movies till he makes that one because studios are going to pull the plug after the box offices. Or maybe they're trying to find a way to make a direct-to-disc. I don't know. Okay. I want to see him do it. But, you know. But just go ahead and put The Rock in there with him and Triple H. Just make it happen. Yeah. All right. Make it dark. Dark, dark. <laughs> now. Let's see. How should we do this? We got three matches here. All right. Let's just go in, in order. Yeah, let's go in order. Okay. No NWA this week since this is our 50th show, technically. Um, 1986. It just should have been yesterday. If we would have done it, but shit happened. Uh. It was Flair versus Dusty in St. Louis. Was it a cage match or was it a regular match? 
It was a regular match. Regular match. Flair took on Fat Boy Dusty Rhodes. Uh, the prior night, Flair had attacked Dusty. He had a match in Kansas City. This was actually on the NWA weekend show. Um, Flair worked Dusty. Dusty took him out for clothesline. Flair's leg was on the rope. Dusty got the pin anyway. And then, of course, Tully came out. They gave him a horseman beatdown, beat the shit out of Dusty with a chair, which led to this match in St. Louis on the 9th. Flair and Dusty. And the story of the match was Dusty's leg was all fucked up. And then we got the highlights from that match. Tell them, Scott. Well, it was less a highlight. It was just the last, what, four and a half minutes? So, but, uh, yeah, he's working the leg, and Dusty all of a sudden just pops up off the mat like a freight train and just starts smashing his shit out of <laughs> Ric Flair. And he's got some steam, and the crowd's getting back into it, and he's escaped a figure four attempt. And um, he bum-rushes Flair, and Flair just, like, basically just – kicks his leg in as he's charging him and he drops and Flair works the leg a little bit more, gets him in the figure four and uh, they're not going to have the baby face tap out to Flair. So he basically just, uh, Flair uh, keeps him stuck in the figure four. He tries, he uses the ropes and he flops down real hard and Dusty kind of basically passes out and gets pinned. So I mean, it was, that was pretty good ending. I don't think I've ever seen Flair grab the ropes in a figure four and then flip up into the air and drop down. <laughs> he just kind of slammed those legs. So for four minutes and 30 seconds, it was pretty good. Fans were pissed. Oh, yeah, man. There was stuff flying in the ring. I mean, even before that, they were throwing shit at Flair. But after he after he got it, um, Magnum TA ran in and broke the figure four up yeah. um, after the count out. Um, oh, but the, the one reason they were pissed is because Flair got pinned for a – did they actually do a four count? I think no. the ref did a four count. I think it's just when he came down, he, he he dropped his hand first. Well, he did a three count, and he looked up, and the foot was on the rope. Mm. I mean, he pinned Flair. Flair was pinned. Um, but he had his leg on the rope, and the ref didn't understand that he didn't put it up till after the three. So, yeah, that, that had the crowd irate. So they were pissed off. The audio was really shitty, but um, not as shitty as that other one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just saw that, yeah. Flair had his foot on the rope. There was a three count. Yeah. There was a false finish. Yeah, so, and um, this is what led to the end. Uh, Rick, or not Ricky. Um, Flair did a chop block and took him out. Flair chop blocked him from behind when Dusty was celebrating his when he thought he won, and then he gets put in the figure four. So it's a pretty interesting little clip on YouTube, so you Google it, uh, August 986. Yeah. So. The poor Dusty, this was Dusty's third title rate, and he's only had the belt for one week, and this was the last time he ever had the title. Huh. Didn't know that. Surprised. Yeah. So the greatest world champion of all time finally has a belt again. Wait, it should be. Yeah. On to Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. 
Now, we all know about Flare vs. Steamboat, but this one took place on March 18th, 1989. This was right in the middle of their classic 1989 best, well, not best of three series, but their three series. This one would take place right before Class of the Champions. Scott, have you ever seen this match? No, I had not ever seen this one. This was in Landover, Maryland. Uh, this was from a house show. It was not broadcast on pay-per-view. It was not on television. This came from a closed-circuit broadcast of it. Dave Meltzer actually gave this match the only six-star match review. I don't see how it got six stars, but... I'm, yeah, I'm not feeling that at all. It was a good yeah. match, but it wasn't... Yeah, I guess at the time he was so fucking jazzed up. Was he there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's maybe if you were there. Um, it was the eighties. Yeah, he might have been there. So, and it, I mean, it was a good match, but I mean, I wouldn't even say it was five star. <laughs> maybe four and a half stars. It it was not as good as the other. That. I mean, I'm not Dave Meltzer. I don't. I, you know, I don't know the ins and the outs of it nowhere near like he does. But Well, we've seen a lot of matches. But we have seen a lot of matches. And for me, a four is really pushing it. I mean, it was a 30-minute match, match. And they both worked the leg. It was like 67 knee drops where he picks Ricky up and drops his leg across his knee. And then there was the one moment where Ricky freaking drops like 15 elbows on his leg, which was actually pretty good, you know. But, I mean, they repeated the same spots a lot. It's a flare steamboat match. I've seen more variety out of them than this. So, it was – and there was a lot of laying around, a lot of laying around, which, you know, they're working 30 minutes. Who knows what the heat was like there. I mean, the actual physical heat, not the crowd heat. Um, Three and a half – is what I would give it. It was a good match. Had a good end. Um, you know, Ricky worked the crowd pretty well. He'd start arguing with Flair and he'd say something to the crowd, which I couldn't tell because it's a, like you said, it's off a closed circuit. Um, but the crowd was into it. Um, it was a good match. A three and a half is not a bad score in my mind. Three and a half is a good score. It's just, it's not the big classic that Dave Meltzer is making it out to be in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, Flair. Um, Good end. Yeah, Flair jobs to Ricky. Yeah, last the last two minutes make up for a lot. You have a couple back and forths, and um, Flair did something I'd never seen him do before. He he grabs the he's he's outside the apron, and Ricky's got all the momentum, and he grabs the middle rope, and he shoulder checks Ricky, and Ricky just collapses like he got shot with buckshot. <laughs> and then Flair just like Superman dives through the ropes and uh, goes for the pin, and he gets caught with his feet up on the rope. Yeah, Flair. Yeah, Flair goes for the uh, basically a high cross body for the pin and keeps his feet on the rope. He dives through the ropes, so yeah. he does yeah. some of that flippy, floppy stuff that Vader hates. Yeah, the the, uh, <laughs> the finish was Flair gets Irish ripped into the turnbuckle, comes back out. And it looked like Flair was going to do a backdrop, but Ricky goes in for a small package, and that's when he gets the win. Yeah, it was a good, quick 
It was the last minute and a half, two minutes was better than the rest of the match. So I'd at least give it four stars. I'm a solid three and a half. half. Saying it's a little bit better than your average raw match. I don't watch average raw matches, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to give them three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> your fives and my fives are different fives, bro. Five star matches, maybe Ishii versus Okada. I see now that one I'm giving the four and a half. Yeah. Now, if anybody watching this wants to know what a match would look like if Scott and I went out there in the backyard and we had fucking talent, Ishii versus Okada. If we had talent. If we had talent. I'm shaped more like Okada. (laughs) What? (laughs) I think you're more Ishii. Wait a minute, that's who I meant. I meant to say Ishii. I'm shaped more like Ishii. Yeah. I would would be more the Okada, the kind of money Ric Flair gimmick. Yeah, it was totally the wrong name. I meant to say Ishii. Wish I was built more like Okada. Yeah. What is he, like 6'2"? No, true story. WWE had absolutely no interest in signing Okada until they found out that he was tall. (laughs) Stupid. They're yeah. so stupid. Yeah, Ray Mysterio wasn't tall. Yeah, yeah, well, they didn't want to sign Okada until they found out he was How tall, tall was Eddie Guerrero? Eddie was maybe... What about that one Canadian bastard we're talking about? Uh, who? Yeah, he That's wasn't tall either. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Eddie was six, five ten or six one, something like that. At best, he's six. Yeah. But yeah. Uh this was a hell of a fucking match. This for one, I mean the pace was faster than what Ishii's been doing in, in the recent matches I've watched. I mean he's had a moderate pace with, you know, the burst. This match was fast paced for quite a while. I'd say 75% of this was at a quick pace. Not lightning quick. These are bigger guys, but but quick. And and the story is both these guys are stable mates. Ishii is, uh, of course, the world champion. You know, sometimes when you're working your best friend in a match, you fight a little bit harder. Is he the real world champion? Ishii? Yeah. Yeah. No, real world Okada. Okada is the Okada. real Okada. Is Okada the real world champion? Well, he's not Ric Flair, so no, he's not. Ric Flair's retired. <laughs> but Ric Flair will always be the world world champion. Okay, the next guy in line uh, is it Okada? Okada is Reigns. Is it? It's Roman Reigns. He's the world champion, isn't he? No. Uh, all right, now there's Jay only Lethal. One. All right, now there's only one world champion. That's uh. Dean Ambrose until they have their second world title. Oh, that's right. Dean Ambrose. Yeah, my bad. Um, the second world title will be held in SummerSlam. I'm going to go to limb here and say that, uh, that the WWE title is now the fake title. They're yeah. the title that needs to get legitimacy back. So I'm going to say Okada is the world champion. So Okada has had the two best matches in G1 so far. He's had this match and the match he had with uh, Marafuji. And coming up on the 12th, I think, is his match with Tanahashi, 
which that should be fucking awesome. Was this a title match? No, this is just still the G1 tournament. Oh, that's right, G1. Okay. So, anyways, on to the match. Yeah, the um, match started off with uh, Okada doing his normal little spot where he puts the guy up against the rope and he gets ready to give him a chop and he just very cocky, just gives him a little tap on the chest and <laughs> he, she gives him that, you motherfucker look. Yeah. Yeah, and then Ishii just chops the fucking shit out of him and looks at the ref and says, I think I killed him enough to actually end the match. Check him. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. So, <laughs> um, I'm definitely an Ishii fan. He just grows on me every time I watch him yeah. wrestle. Okada's awesome. Yeah, Okada will work to your level. If he doesn't think you're that fucking good of a worker, he will just take the match down from like a five-star match down to like a two-star match because you ain't shit. But so it's like a thinks, raw match. Yeah, but if he thinks you're fucking great, he will fucking bust his ass and give you what you deserve. He's like Rob Van Dam in that, <laughs> in that aspect. Who's the NXT world champion? NXT world champion is Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. Okay. Who is also Okada's buddy. Is TNA still in business? Depending on who you ask. <laughs> so, Billy, Billy Corgan is basically funding them right now. And you're still the CPW world champion, right? Yeah. So this was 20-year reign? Yeah. yeah. This is 1996. I'm like five with Moolah. I ain't fucking dropping that belt. That's right. So, um, so until you buy that fucking ring and put it in your backyard. I got I got a heel in my backyard. I have to. We can fill it up. Get some post. No, we'd have to elevate it on one side. Um, <laughs> anyways, the match was going really well, and they did a spot where Ishii was up on the turnbuckle sitting, and he got hit with a drop kick in the face, which was awesome. Yeah. And then when he's flipped off, his ankle legit got caught. Yeah, and I was, was like, bad. "Oh shit!" That was scary. And he played it off, but. They they almost had an injury, which you know shit happens. Um, the match had a lot of power moves. It had a few speed moves. You know there were some huge German suplexes um, or Germanish moves in that move set under that title. Lot, suplexes, belly to backs, stuff like a lot that. Of suplexes. Yeah, but they, yeah. they it was a variety. It wasn't a night of a thousand suplexes. Bullshit. Um, Gut wrenches, all kinds of stuff. They just kept they, there was variety. You know how what what that does for a match? It's, it's amazing. WWE ought to look at that. It's so. difficult to work somebody like Ishii because he's he's like Taz. Short little guys gonna come up there and suplex the shit out of you. Yeah, and for, but Taz made it work because he did other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and WWE, you know what? When I watch New Japan, this G One stuff. And they do their spots. They feel like a natural progression to when they get. I mean, you know, like when they stand and they face a crowd and they do whatever their signature salute or their poses, their poses, things like that. It uh, most of the time, it, it and it's usually pretty quick, you yeah. know. And it makes WWE sense. is the wrestling is basically treated as an intermission between poses. <laughs> yeah, that is the easiest way to sum up the WWE product as a whole. Now, I mean, they still have great matches. Don't get me wrong. It's purely sports entertainment. It's few and far between though. And wrestling and they have, and and they have a lot of good workers. They're just not being utilized properly. 
Um, New Japan, it, it just is such a better flow. Um, and I watched New Japan back in the day and loved it and still liked WWE more at the time. Um, but the new New Japan right now is, to me, I mean, they're top dog. Yeah. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. They had the best I'm, wrestling. There's them and everybody else. So, maybe not money wise, I guess, but as far as they're product. Promotion in the world. Yeah, but as far as product on the in the ring, they're the best. Um, Ring of Honor is really good. Um, I remember watching Ring of Honor once or twice way back and not being overly impressed with it. But apparently it's grown. Uh, Which is good. I mean, that's good for the whole industry. Uh, WWE stopped stealing their fucking talent. (laughs) Yeah, there's that too. And then running the talent. (laughs) Burying the talent. Um, Out of the guys doing clotheslines today, I have to say that I enjoy Ishii's the best. He's got such an awesome clothesline. No, it doesn't matter what angle he's throwing it from. It just, it looks for real like Stan Hansen or like a 1990 Luger or something. It's just beautiful. Like the Steiner uh, line. Steiner lines. Yeah. You know, some of these classic, you know, clotheslines. Um, but, uh, the superplex. Holy shit. How did Ishii get that much velocity with Okada's big ass? I mean, I thought, holy shit, he's going to leave his boots up on the turnbuckle. I mean, he slung his ass hard, which, I mean, Okada surely helped. But, I mean, that was that was one of the best superplexes I've ever seen in 30 years of watching his stuff. So, that's a move Luger should have used. He could have called it the superlex. <laughs> so. The match changed. It's the basically the turning point of the whole match. There's there's one one point I, I almost want to give a negative to because it was fucking stupid for Ishii to do. I'll I'll get to that. But the is it the pile driver? Yes. Good lord. Because that's I'll just go ahead and do that now. We are nineteen years removed from. Almost from the day when Owen Hart did that exact same move in the same style to Austin. That sit down tombstone. That damn near almost broke Austin's neck. You fucking idiot. Don't do a pod driver that way. Yeah. Ishii fucking slung his leg underneath up. He dropped basically almost to one hip. It's a sit-down tombstone. Is what yeah, yeah, but he, he he went to the side with it, and he curled fucking Okada's neck up because his leg shoved his head over. It was fucking stupid. Yeah, don't um, do that. Especially, I mean, that's the exact same way that Austin got the stinger and almost fucking broke his neck. Don't fucking do that shit. Yeah, yeah, you don't better. Don't paralyze or kill somebody. Um, so I almost wanted to, like, fucking take the point away for that shit. I'm going to in the end. Oh, is that why it's not five star? I'm gonna I'm gonna knock it down to a four just based on that. Without the without that, it's a four and a half. Yeah, you were not safe. That that was this. Yeah, was, you you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd heard the Japanese people say, "You fucked up. You fucked up." 
but the, uh, uh, like when they do the other chance. And Okada, stop looking at the fucking referee's count when when he makes the when the ref does a count. Don't look at his hand. You can fucking hear the, the cadence of the referee's count. You, you take away from the match when you're sitting there watching the ref count. We the fucking camera zoomed in. Don't yeah. fucking do that shit. But the match changed course. It went from like a really good match to a fucking great match. Right after, I forgot the, the preceding move, but when Okada stands up, and he does his fucking Rainmaker pose, and then that's when <laughs> Ishii jumps up and says, fuck your Rainmaker pose, and chops the shit out of him right Just in the throat. Destroys him. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fucking phenomenal. And from right there, it was on for like the next what ten minutes. They just it's like the last two minutes of a WWE big event. They just start beating the fucking shit out of each other. Big move after big move after big move. Yeah. Uh Okada hit Ishii with a drop kick. <laughs> it was one of the best drop kicks I've ever seen. And the spit went fucking flying. And I'm pretty sure Ishii wasn't spitting on purpose. He got the spit knocked out of his mouth. It was pretty, it was pretty neat. Um, then he hit him with two huge headbutts, but the camera was behind Okada, so he couldn't really – you didn't get the full effect of it. You heard it. And then you had the pile driver fuck up. Um, so, But, you know, um, shit, so, what was the finish? Um, Rainmaker. Rainmaker, yep. So – Good match. It was an awesome match. And then, you know, like I told Scott when I sent him the text, I didn't tell him the uh, the ending of the match. I, th- I think I gave you my, was it four and a half, four and three-fourths match stars? Yeah. And I said that uh, Marifuji and Tanahashi have to have a five-star match to follow this thing. No, they didn't. But, man. Uh... That's one of the that's one of the better matches I've watched in the last three months. That, that's that's definitely one of the match of the years. Of the yeah, years. it was very good. And match of the years too. Last couple of years. And like I said, uh, on the second, in the two days, it's um, going to be Okada and Tanahashi. check real quick and I believe it is on the second so so Scott go ahead and prepare your yes August 2nd uh, August 12th it will be Tanahashi and Okada Jay Lethal is going to be on the last day alright I'm ready he's working Kojima it's going to be a quick one so so the last day of the tournament is on August 14th. A block and B block winner. Scott is now getting ready to do his spoiler review. All right, Scott, we're going to go bye-bye now. If you want to stick around, great. If not, this was the last episode. Goodbye. Okay, Scott, spoiler review. Suicide Squad. Okay, so I went and saw Suicide Squad Saturday, uh, took my kids, 
my wife, my wife wanted to see it, and uh, we ended up catching the 3D. Really? Yeah, we saw the 3D version um, because we were no, we were late getting there, and it started ten minutes after the um, 2D version, so we had to pay the premium. Uh, the 3D was it was okay. I don't recall seeing anything that was like intentionally just trying to jump out at you. Maybe the tentacles from the from the one antagonist. I can't remember what his name is. But anyways, um, the first 20 minutes <laughs> is Waller giving you the play-by-play breakdown of who each character is. It was painful. I was just like, oh my gosh, this would have been a great viral thing to put out on YouTube proceed before the movie came out. But, and then you could have had an hour and a half movie instead of a two hour movie. But, um, yeah, it was, it, it was well done. I'm not going to say that, but it was, it would just, she would start talking about one character at her little dinner where she was, you know, establishing what a, you know, evil bitch she is or hard ass she is. And then it would cut to the character doing something. You kind of get an idea of who they are, which I mean, you want to have an idea, but there's other ways of doing it. And it just, it was a very ham fisted. Basically it was a prologue kind of like dark or kind of like uh, the Batman killing joke. Yeah. It was just an unnecessary prologue. They could have, they could have fed some of that information in, in other ways. Uh, you know, you saw Deadshot on an assassination mission and things like that. And, you know, kind of Harley Quinn's history as the doctor. And, course they did a really cool um homage to an alex ross painting of uh joker in the tux holding harley quinn when she's dancing oh you've seen it that's in the movie and it was it was really well done but as far as the execution of the prologue ham-fisted they could have had an hour and 40 minute runtime without doing this I'm, i'm thinking the movie's what two hours and four minutes or something so i might be wrong Maybe I'm wrong. They could have had an hour movie then. But anyways, um, it served its purpose, whatever. We get into it. Um, the Enchantress, she breaks free and decides she's going to go to Midway City and start building a machine. And she resurrects her brother. And she's like, oh, we'll build our machine to destroy humanity. Now, if I remember to come back to that point in, later in the review... It, it 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 goes full circle, okay, oh. and, and it's idiotic. <laughs> okay, they're going to build this big world destroying machine because they know how to because they're they're old gods and now the people worship the machine so they're going to build a machine that's going to destroy everybody. So all right, so they go to the city and they start building their machine. They start killing people and taking them over and turning them into like these just completely stupid looking monsters. I mean, it was like Power Rangers level stupid looking uh, monsters. And I hate to quote Harry Knowles, but I did read his review. They look like dog shit monsters. And he's absolutely right. They look like wet dog shit. And it was fucking terrible. The oh, CGI. You, yeah. And, you know, like uh, in the Resident Evil movies, this was like a big cliche in the 80s and 90s where all the bad guys all wore motorcycle helmets while they got in fist fights with the fucking uh, yeah. guy. That that's what it looked like. He's just but dog shit on their heads. And they apparently had extra powers, like extra strength, speed, agility or something. But basically they would just she would kiss 
each person and turn them into one of these dog shit soldiers. So they, uh, they put the team together and they offer every one of them something that they want in exchange for getting reduced sentences. And then they have a scene where like, you know, they're getting their weapons and they're testing out Will Smith to see what he can do with a weapon. And, um, as a gun nut, he takes this one pistol and he, hits a slide release on it, which on a 1911 damages the sear, <laughs> but whatever, you know, it's just me being picky. Cause I happen to be a 1911 fan. And he, he basically just smokes the targets. It's the action is pretty good overall in the movie. Um, trying to think the guy played Robocop. What's his name? Noel Kinnaman or which Robocop? The newest one. Oh, I don't know. Joel Kinnaman. I think's his name. He plays, a. um, Rednecky Navy SEAL type guy that's a colonel, and he's got a really red, super rednecky voice, um, a caricature, really. But uh, he is the Enchantress's love interest, and he kind of is trying to work towards freeing her without her dying because the Enchantress possesses June Moon, his girlfriend, that Waller hooked them up so she could have some sort of control over him. So. Suicide Squad has to go into the city and take him down. Um, Killer Croc sucks terribly. He looks like uh, shit. He looks like shit. Um, he's, he seems borderline like he's about to turn over a better leaf. <laughs> just like, you're just like, oh my gosh, please don't. Please don't do it. And he doesn't quite do it, but you, they almost made him cuddly. I don't know how else to say it. Um, when he's vicious, he's vicious. He's smashing shit, biting people in the throat and everything else. But Killer Croc is, he is not anything like any of the comics or the animated series, which I, I've considered the gold standard for him to be the animated series. And he is very far off from that. Um, Harley Quinn, on the other hand, is very close to the animated series, especially when she says Mr. J. I mean, it's like, sounds like the voice actors. I mean, it's, she does, she does a pretty good job. It's a little bit too much of the Harley show at times, you know, I mean, well, they know, know where the money is. They know where the money is. Um, you know, this fourth pillar thing that we, we didn't go over. Um, but she's popular and she's well acted. And for the most part, her writing's pretty good. Um, She's certain, but she gets a little repetitive towards the end of the movie. So it's like something will happen. And then the movie, it's, it's like the WWE, everything's an intermission for the pose. Uh, we kind of get a little bit of that in suicide squad. Everything's an intermission for either her to pose or to say something smart assed. And after about the 15th or 30th time they do that, it gets a little bit old. Uh, Batman is appropriately vicious. <laughs> uh, he knocks Harley Quinn the fuck out. <laughs> They're underwater and she tries to cut him or something after they wreck a car and he swims down and she's playing possum and uh, he dodges her and then he just boom smashes her face in. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Whoo. I mean, he blasts her. But anyways, um, and then Batman, he catches Deadshot. That's the other thing. And there was a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say it's controversy. So there was a disagreement on how Batman was handled as the, as he would get into a, a fist fight with the 
master of gunfighting in an alley with a child there. I don't really think Batman would, but then there's what I like to call the Batman rule is he can get away with it because he's Batman. <laughs> I don't really care. It, uh, it made sense, the argument, but I it was, was it Latino Review? Yeah, Latino Review. Latino Review. I mean, it made sense because, you know, I mean, yeah, that'd really be putting a little girl in, in danger. And she did dive in front of Batman to keep him from getting shot. So what if Deadshot had pulled the trigger? Of course, you can always just say, well, Batman's got it calculated down to it's not happening. But for some reason, they, they dress Will Smith like a 1970s pimp. I don't really get that, but regardless. Um, and he's doing the whole, you know, I got to do everything for my daughter bit and trying to come back. But um, just to just to wrap it up a little quick here, those are the big problems I have with the movie. But the biggest problem that I had was the Enchantress and her brother were, they disappeared for quite a bit of the movie. And then back to my point I made earlier about um, building the machine. They're building this big machine to kill everybody. And then they capture Waller and stick some sort of mind reading tentacle in her temple. And then the Enchantress is like, now you're going to tell me how to destroy humankind. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. So, so what, she has the power to destroy humankind? Waller does? Well, with her knowledge? Well, I guess with her knowledge. That's my assumption. Um, and what it basically turns out is that her knowledge of where key individuals, facilities, and things like that are at are allowing uh, the Enchantress to destroy like nuclear facilities, aircraft carriers, things like that. <sighs> if you if you can build a machine, yeah, if you can build a machine that can destroy all of humanity, you didn't really need her to begin with, did you? No. It did. It, it was it was another ham fisted moment. So. Yeah. They just needed a reason to kidnap Waller so the Suicide Squad could go and save her. That's exactly what they needed. It was a plot device. So. Yeah. And then, of course, the brother of the Enchantress, you can't dodge him. You can't avoid him. You can't, you know, get away from him unless you're one of the main cast. <laughs> and then, then you can't touch him. I mean, I understand the heroes never get shot typically in movies. But this, it was just, he was so super powered and overpowered at the beginning of the film. And then all of a sudden, he can't hit anybody. So, Diablo was pretty cool. I mean, he caught him fire and kicked that guy's ass pretty good for the most part. But the last fight scene, everybody worked together. And you basically got the Ghostbusters ending. You got the big freaking vortex in the sky. And... Uh, you get a mix of the Ghostbusters. You get the 1984 Ghostbusters ending mixed in with the new Ghostbusters ending. They throw a pack of C4 or something into the vortex and Deadshot shoots it and it blows up and shuts the vortex down. Just like the Ecto-1 flying into the vortex in Ghostbusters. And then you get the 1984 Ghostbusters ending where... Um, you blow up the State Puff Marshmallow Man. No, he wasn't in it, but the... Um, Enchantress, her heart is how you control her, and she was able to get her heart back, but then her boyfriend gets it and crushes it to kill her, and he walks away thinking that he just killed June Moon, and she is like all covered in crap, kind of like um, Sigourney Weaver crawling out of the dog statue thing, yeah. and you kind of got that moment. So, I mean, it's not a terrible movie. 
It's not. I wouldn't call it a bad movie. It's a little bit messy in the middle. Uh, the prologue was unnecessary, but it's got a lot of heart. And I think the forty million dollars in reshoots probably hurt it more than they helped it. And how much screen time did they give the Joker? Oh, like four minutes. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, I'd say probably on screen ten minutes, maybe. Huh? So maybe. So he's in the trailers, and you think they're going to take the Joker on. And they don't. He's a plot device. He pops in a couple times in the film to move the plot forward. Like he comes in, um, they have the bombs implanted in their necks, and he finds a way to disable them. And he comes by to disable Harley's, which lets her get away with more than the others can get away with. And then, you know, we think he's dead because uh, they shoot the chopper down that he's in, and she falls out onto a rooftop, and she thinks that Mr. J's gone. And uh, then at the end of the movie, she's back in prison, and he comes in and rescues her, and they're going to go kill a bunch of people. So, and that sets up Batman. Uh, yeah, I mean the Joker's appropriately creepy and violent. He's just got way too much charm, and I don't know. Charm's maybe not the right word because the Joker does have charisma, but he's got way too much playboy, suave. He's a pimp, <laughs> you know, in the, in the, in the gangster term of a pimp, you know, he's, he's just, he's just smooth. He's smooth, man. He's not scary. Yeah. I mean, he, he, well, intermittently he's creepy and scary, but he spends more time being this suave playboy. Um, he's running around in, in fast cars and silk. Suits and he's exactly, he's, he's out fucking. He's out fucking Pacino. He's Scarface. He's yep. Scarface that hasn't went over the edge yet. That is the Joker in this film. So he he doesn't seem like the guy who's just fucking crazy. He's just evil. Yeah, he, yeah. He's he's just a mob boss. He just he's a mob boss who seems like he's borderline crazy. Yeah. Instead of being just full fledged out there, um, but he's Jared Leto says there's a lot more footage that's been filmed, and he's been kind of pissy in the interviews about it. Um, to me, the take I get from it is that the best stuff for the Joker wasn't even shown. There's a lot of material you'll probably never see the light of day, which it probably shows deleted scenes. Um, he doesn't seem like he's happy with the way it was handled, but yeah, I mean, I give it about a six and a half probably overall. All right. If you're, you know, it's not anything I would go out of my way to see again. Um, I'll, I'll probably, I'll check it out again when it comes out on disc, but I mean, I will pay like $2 for it. Only if there's deleted scenes and setting in my house, you know, because I mean, movies that I'm kind of middle of the road about, I like to sometimes, depending on their source material, I like to dip into again and see if I can get a different feel for them. Um, so usually it doesn't work out well, but sometimes it does. Okay. So I would, yeah, not bad. Suicide squad sucks. Well, yeah, always go the opposite of what I say with Paul. Yeah. If Paul likes something, I don't. And if he, and if I like it, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's Okada. Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, we like the Iron Giant. That movie was epic. Fuck yeah, it was. 
Okay. Yeah, if you want to see a good superhero movie, go rent Iron Giant if you've never seen it. I think it's on Netflix. It is one of the best. Yeah. By far. Yeah, all right. Iron Giant. Best superhero movie you're going to watch today. Okay, that's it. Bye-bye.